You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, hospitality is what makes a house a home. I've never considered myself very good at hospitality. Um, When I was a student, a woman named Priscilla invited me over for coffee. I didn't know Priscilla. I was living in uh, inner city L.A. that summer. And uh, I'm not sure why she invited me, but she did. And I gathered with a small group of people in her front room. And it was going fine until it took a pretty dramatic turn for the worst. uh, When she said, George, yeah, would you go make the coffee? (laughs) Now, what you need to know about me is I don't um, know how to make coffee. (laughs) I don't even drink coffee. That's a lot of confession going on today in Seattle. Um, but I said yes, and I pushed through this um, swinging door into her little kitchen in the next room and saw on the Formica, orange Formica counter, there was a 1920s era percolator. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I was trying, why did I say yes? I said yes just to try to be a good guest. I wasn't prepared to be a good host. And so I thought, okay. Breathe deeply. You're a smart kid. You can figure this out. How hard can it be? So I'm, I'm looking at the, it. Was, it was not assembled. There were all these pieces, and I thought, you know, and I started to, 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 to get a little bit stressed. And, uh, to, I, you know, it was a race against the clock because they were in the other room waiting for the coffee to come out. And I was just about to give up, utterly distraught, when I noticed on the wall a telephone. Old rotary telephone. So I went over the telephone. I put my finger in zero and dialed, hoping for the best. And, <laughs> and, and this is when you could get a live operator back in the day. And I said, this is going to be a strange request. But I got to tell you, I got a problem here. And uh, are you a coffee drinker? And so she talks me through step <laughs> by step. It's like Houston control. And I'm going, okay, okay, okay. No, it looks like this. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, Minutes later, I walk out through that same swinging door with a pitcher of coffee, a tray full of saucers, and uh, pit stains under each arm. <laughs> Service with a smile. Here's the coffee. Now, I don't know what Priscilla was thinking that day when she asked me to go get the coffee, but I know today what she did. She turned a guest into a host. And I want to tell you, Jesus does the same thing. He turns guests into hosts. And Peter knows that. Because Peter in a front row seat, Jesus' hospitality. Peter was there when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, come and eat. Peter was there when Jesus looked Peter in the eyes and said, Peter, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. Peter lived with Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but in the Gospel of Mark, when it says Peter, Jesus was at home or not at home, Jesus didn't have a home except Peter's home. He would stay in Peter's house with Peter's mother-in-law in in, uh, a house in Galilee, whatever he was up there. He lived with Peter. So Peter got to see hospitality with Jesus in the house. And uh, Peter was there to see the power of hospitality. When on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets done with his sermon and he watches a community of communities grow up out of nowhere. 
And we read in Acts chapter 2, day by day, they broke bread at home. Hospitality. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's the power of hospitality. And you know, I can't think of something, I can't think of anything that our world needs more today than hospitality. And if I were going to go to school, I can't think of anyone I'd rather go to school with than somebody who had been with Jesus for three years, Peter himself. So let's open up our Bibles to that letter that Peter wrote to the churches of Asia Minor called 1 Peter. And you're going to find our text in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It's on page 985. But as you're flipping over there, let me just make a quick comment. In this letter, Peter uses the word house a whole mess of times, more than nine times. It's coming up in compound words, house. It's a metaphor for him, a house. In our text, you'll notice as we read the word steward, steward is as a house manager. In the Greek, it's house manager. And so really, he's talking about the person in the house who offers hospitality, the steward. All right? So let's watch for that. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read God's word aloud together. When we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, you can say thanks be to God. First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Listen carefully, you're reading God's word. The end of thing, all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God... Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies. So that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. Well, that afternoon with Priscilla, I learned about hospitality the hard way. And as I study this passage in which Peter speaks of hospitality, I was glad to learn that the biblical word for hospitality is not brew coffee or fold linen. Instead, the origin of this word has to do with loving the stranger. The Greek word is philoxenos. You may recognize its composite parts. Philo is the word for love, and xenos is the word for stranger, foreigner, alien. So philoxenos, hospitality in the Bible, isn't about entertainment. It's about loving the stranger. Right? Philadelphia is brotherly love. Xenophobia is the fear of the stranger. Philoxenos is the love of the stranger. It's loving the one outside the house. That's the alien, the one outside the house. Now, the world is a dangerous place. It's hard to love strangers. It was hard in the ancient world as well. In fact, in the ancient world, people assumed that the person outside of the house wasn't just strange, but hostile. That they were an enemy. So you got beyond your home, your household, the family, the clan, the tribe, the city, the region. 
who knows who wants to do you harm. And so you would treat difference with distance. Keep them out there and keep watching. But hospitality calls people to do the opposite. You may have heard the old story about the, the Presbyterian, the Hindu, and the Jew who are going to a, a conference. And as they travel, they need a place to stay. They see a farm. They knock on the farmer's door and said, could we stay here? It's getting late. And the farmer says, oh, absolutely. But I only have two beds in the guest room, so one of you will have to sleep in the barn. And the Hindu says, that's no problem, friends. And he goes out to the barn, and the other two go in the house. But deep into the night, there's a knock on the door, and the farmer opens the door, and there's the Hindu. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't sleep in the barn. There's a, a cow in the barn. And uh, that's no problem, says the Jew. I will sleep in the barn. He goes out. And, uh, but then another knock on the door later in the night. It's a Jew sitting on the farmer's doorstep. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't sleep in the barn. There's a pig in the, in, the, in the barn. And so the Presbyterian says, friends, no problem. I will go sleep in the barn. So he goes out there. And again, a third time, there's a knock on the door. And uh, the farmer opens the door. And there's a, a pig and a cow. <laughs> that one never gets old. But to be honest, when Priscilla invited me to her house, I was nervous. Not just because I'm naturally shy, but because there's a great deal of difference between Priscilla and me. See, she lives in inner city L.A. Uh, she's elderly. She was overweight. She was black. And she was underclass. And in fact, her house wasn't much of a house at all. It, it was next door to a heavily armed crack house. And we had been told that was the dangerous side of the street and that we shouldn't cross over. But somehow that day, Priscilla reached out to a stranger and she got me to come across the street and into her front room. And hospitality will do that. Hospitality is the call that God gave Israel fundamentally. In Leviticus 19, 33 through 34, God says to, to his people, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you. Bring him into the house. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. When he says, I'm the Lord your God, you know what he's saying? Not just, I have a right to command you to do this, but this is who I am in the core of my being. A lover of strangers. A host in the heavens. And this is true. This is the, Bible, this, the whole story of the Bible. Once you start to think about it, you'll see it everywhere. The Bible begins with the story of God being a host for humanity in the Garden of Eden. And it ends with God being a host at the great banquet feast of the Lamb. And God is a host to Israel in the wilderness as he serves them manna day in, day out. God is a host for David, you know, Psalm 23, most of us know about the shepherd part, but you know how the psalm ends. David says to God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil like a host would do. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And then, of course, Jesus at the table, he gathers with his disciples and he says, this is my body given for you. And this cup is the new covenant, my blood. He's our, he's our host. I am the Lord means this is who I am. 
And it's good news. It's good news for us, not just for our neighbors. See, hospitality is what makes a house a home. And the first course is always to find home in Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus or haven't found your home in Jesus, or even if you just started to stray outside the home a little bit, this is the morning Jesus invites you back in to find your rest in him. Do you need rest this morning? Wouldn't that be nice? Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. He is a refuge for the immigrant, the alien, the stranger. Jesus is God's home for you and for me. And in Revelations 3.20, we read that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. Behold, he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with them and they with me. He wants to make his home in you. That's why he came. Find a home in Jesus. At the time, I wondered why Priscilla had invited me for coffee. The white boy that I am. Skinny white boy that I am. She didn't tell me what her agenda would be. In fact, as I sat there, I began to think she didn't seem to even have an agenda. How irresponsible. How unpresbyterian. <laughs> but you know, I'll never forget that day. It was years ago, but... Uh, it's not just the coffee, the anxiety that helps me remember that. It's her. It's who she was. It's something I have trouble describing to you. She was infectious. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. She was healthy. There was a generosity of spirit, though she had nothing at all or so little. She gave everything she had. You know, you could see it in the coffee and in the sandwiches and the crackers. But just in her persona, the way she welcomed us in. Here's what I do remember. She had an, an experience of grace. She understood that her life was a gift. What she wanted each of us in the room to know was the, was the story of her life. And I, she, I don't remember all of the details that she told, but I do remember her mother was a prostitute. And when she was conceived, that um, birth was unplanned and unwelcome. In fact, her mother had tried to abort the birth, but somehow, and I don't remember how, it had failed. And so, but she knew that, and she said, oh my gosh, I never should have been. I never should be right here in this house with you. My life shouldn't exist at all. And there was a kind of a joy, and you could tell, even though her life was hard, it, she loved it. She was glad to be alive. And she asked me to tell my story as well. And as I shared a little bit of who I was, I began to bring it to this infectious grace, and I began to feel somehow glad that I had life too. Grace was surfacing in me. And I want to tell you, this is what hospitality will do. It will uncover grace for both the host and the guest. That's what Peter seems to be driving at, right? If you look back at the text, notice there's a little bit of a climax here in this text. It's structured almost like the, the crown of one of our roofs uh, with hospitality in verse 9 at the pinnacle. But on either side of hospitality is, on the one hand, love, and on the other hand, God's grace. As if to say, you, you, you know, if you want to get from love to grace, you go through hospitality. Hospitality is the link that exposes grace where people are loved. And when you think about it, hospitality really is grace enacted, don't you think? Isn't it grace that's lived? When you think about, well, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. What is hospitality? Something really similar, isn't it? 
I mean, if grace is unmerited favor, so is hospitality. If grace is unconditional love, no strings attached, so is hospitality when it's good. If, if grace is not serving or having to serve, but being served to sit back and relax, so is hospitality. Let God do the work in your life. If grace is about finding home in Jesus, then I want to suggest to you every single act of hospitality, no matter how small, points both guest and host to our ultimate home in Jesus, the home for which you and I were made and for which we yearn and struggle every day of our lives. We can see it. We can feel it in hospitality. Let me read a big paragraph from Henry now, and I love this. He says, in hospitality, we offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become our fellow human beings. The movement, he writes, from hostility to hospitality is hard and full of difficulties. Our society seems to be increasingly full of fearful, defensive, aggressive people, anxiously clinging to their property and inclined to look at their surrounding world with suspicion, always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear, intrude, and do harm. But still, hospitality is our vocation to convert the hostis into a hospes, the Latin, the enemy into a guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. When hostility is converted into hospitality, then fearful strangers can become guests, revealing to their hosts the promises that they are carrying with them. That's grace. Then, in fact, the distinction between host and guest proves to be artificial and evaporates in the recognition of a newfound unity. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. Wow. It's Henry now. What's he saying? This is a space where grace transforms lives. That's what hospitality does. Small or big, you're always creating a space where God's grace transforms a life. Sharing our stories together. Spending time together without conditions, without judgment, hearing who one another is in the presence of constant love or expressions of tangible love, it's transformational. That's why, do you notice what's inside hospitality? What's in there? Hospital. There's a hospital inside every act of hospitality. It's a place where wounded people are getting healed. Because God's grace is there. Hospitality is what makes a home. And the second course is to share God's grace. It's true that my afternoon with Priscilla wasn't entirely comfortable. In the kitchen there was this moment of panic. um, When I realized I was absolutely incompetent as a host in that moment. Um, and maybe you feel that way too with this challenge to be a host today you know I didn't want to disappoint I didn't want to be embarrassed I didn't know which piece fit where I didn't know which piece should be up and down and they all were sort of on this stem you know how those old pots are and I didn't know where to put the coffee you know you pour it in and stir and 
I, I, which part? And I didn't know how much coffee. I, I didn't know anything. And I thought, this is not going to go well. Maybe you feel like the dad who's um, worked hard all day to uh, prepare for a dinner party. When the guests finally arrive, you know, they gather around the table and he's there and able to relax for a moment. And he turns to his five-year-old daughter and says, you know, honey, why don't you uh, say grace for us? And she said, well, I wouldn't know what to say. And he says, oh, just say what daddy says. So she folds her hands and bows her head (laughs) and says, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) Too much truth. You may need help. You want a lifeline. You know, who can I call? But you know what? There was help in there for me in that moment. It It was a telephone on the wall. And I reached out and I used it. And God hasn't left you in your house without the help that you need to make that house a home. He's got help. And Peter talks about that in this this passage. Jesus gives three ingredients for hospitality. Prayer, gifts, and capacity. And we won't dwell on these, but you got to just see them there. Uh, Prayer in verse 7. Prayer is picking up the phone and calling God and saying, God, I I need to find rest in Jesus. Help me. God, I I need to help my neighbor find rest in Jesus. Help me. Prayer. That's the first ingredient. The second ingredient is gift. We see that in verse 10. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, we could say a lot about gifts, spiritual gifts, and stewardship. But here's the main thing I want you to get. The biggest gift is God's grace. And, and to be a steward, remember, is a household manager. Household manager is somebody who takes what the master owns, the owner of the house, and distributes them for the welfare of others. Let, let that sink in. A household steward is somebody who takes the value of the, of the master and, and shares it with the members of the household, the people in the house. And so isn't it amazing? Isn't it an incredible privilege that you and I are called by Jesus to be household managers and stewards of what? God's grace. God's gifts. Whatever you have. You may not have a house. That's okay. Hospitality is not about the house. It's about the home in the relationship. But whatever you have, I don't know if it's a bike or some time or whatever. As you share it, it belongs to God. He'll use it in other people's lives. And the biggest thing that you have is your own personal story of grace. That's what God had reminded the Israelites in Exodus 23, 9. He says, don't oppress a resident alien. Okay, I get that. And then he says, you know, because you know the heart of an alien, for you were aliens. He says, and that's what he's saying to us. You know, you know what it's like to live outside the house, don't you? To be broken, to be alienated, to be neglected. And God has changed that for you. And so that's the biggest gift you can give other people who know that same experience of being outside the house. And then the third thing, prayers, gifts, the third thing is capacity. And I love this here because you're, you're never left without the strength that you need to be a host. If, you, if, if and when it's time to speak words, you will have the very words of God, he says in verse 11. If and when it's time to act, you will have the very strength that God supplies. He's pouring strength into you to be a host. He is reinforcing you. As you're on the front lines in a hostile, hostile world. So hospitality is what makes a house a home. And its third course is to use God's gifts. 
In essence, God has sent us out into our neighborhoods to be little field hospitals, little mash units, right? You're strategically located for the wounds and needs of your neighbors. And it's like in China 50 years ago when Mao Zedong and his cultural revolution, revolution realized we don't have enough doctors, nearly enough. 80% of the population is living out in the fields. All the doctors are in the city, so they developed a program called Barefoot Doctors, and they came and gave really basic medical training, uh, just a course of a few months, to peasants, and then send them back out to where they live. And it turns out that a little bit of basic medical care can cover a lot, a lot of health issues. And so Jesus is sent you out. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have everything you want to be the perfect host. You just need to know that you have what you need. You have God's gifts. So that's how Jesus takes a guest and makes them a host. And that's what makes a house a home. So what's it going to look like for you this week? Come on, that's, we're challenged to do that. I want you to do this this week. There's a little slip of paper in your bulletin. And uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, your, it's your plan for the week. And I, I mean, there'll be a little music after my closing prayer and an opportunity for you to pray and to fill that in and make a commitment to yourself and to the Lord. But I want you to think about it now. Who, who is my neighbor? Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in my family. Maybe like Becca. Maybe it's somebody I live in an apartment upstairs. Who, who is that person going to be this week? And what would it look like to share hospitality with them? How can you be a host, for example? Or, just as importantly, how can you be a guest? That's hospitality, too. So I want to spark your creativity. Let me just read some hospitality words. I've had a chance to think about this more than you have, so this might give you, provoke some thoughts. Just listen to this list of words and think about your week and your world. Eating, visiting, sharing, receiving, giving, inviting, welcoming, drinking, praying, lingering, Noticing, laughing, resting, touching, borrowing, meeting, calling. Any and so many more of these are postures of hospitality. Did anybody hear Madeline Albright speaking last week? She was doing the SPU downtown breakfast, and I know a number of you were there. Here's, here was her main message. This is a paraphrase, but in essence, if she was thinking about the problems of the world, the greatest problem in the world today, she said, is to define ourselves. These are not her words, but to define ourselves by our difference. Isn't that interesting? Former Secretary of State looking at the geopolitical situation that shapes the news we read every day, and the greatest problem is you and me defining ourselves by our differences. And can you see how relevant... A community that's committed to hospitality would be in a world like that. When we love strangers, when we don't let difference make a difference. Black or white, rich or poor, what would that look like in the University of Washington, Seattle Pacific University, the U District? What would it look like in Rainier Valley, one of the most diverse zip codes in the whole country? What would it look like in Bellevue? What would it look like uh, as neighbors in the Balkans or Palestine, Syria, the Crimea, Egypt, or Sudan begin to look at the person outside the house and welcome them in and love them? I want to close with two stories because, because we can do this. We can do this. Hospitality is, is one of the easy ones. It's so simple. First story is um, the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. You know who wrote that? Emma Lazarus, 
a Sephardic Jew. And uh, she wrote a sonnet. <laughs> I love the name of it. It's the New Colossus. <laughs> and I want to read it to you because it's a great picture of what a community can do and be. 1883. She writes this. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her eyes mild command. The air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame, keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she. With silent lips, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. We can be that people. And then individually... Next week, we can have stories to share of hospitality. I want to share a story that was on NPR recently. This is about a man named Julio Diaz and shows what one person can do. Julio Diaz um, lived in New York City, and he had a favorite diner that he would frequent. Uh, One day, he was there in the evening after work when he was accosted by a dangerous world. It was a teenager with a knife, and he mugged him, and asked him for his wallet, and Julio took out his wallet and and gave it right away. As the teenager was turning away, Julio had a thought. He said, wait a minute, if if you're going to be doing this all night, you're going to need a coat. And he took off his jacket and he gave it to Julio. (laughs) While the teenager was just so befuddled, Julio managed to invite him to come with him to the diner. And so the two of them sat in this booth And the teenager, still scratching his head, noticed that Julio seemed to be addressing everybody in friendly tones. He says, you know everyone here. Do you own this place? No, Julio said. I just eat here a lot. But you're nice to everyone, even the dishwasher. Well, haven't you been taught you should be nice to everyone? Yeah, but I didn't think people actually behaved that way. (laughs) When the meal was done, Julio asked for his wallet back to pay for the meal. And then he gave the teenager $20. And in exchange, the boy gave Julio his knife. And they both went home. Let's pray. Jesus, we are stranger than most in this room. But we've been made to feel we're at home with you. We need that gift. We're going through a lot. So many of us. Give us rest. Jesus, if we're going through a lot in this room, we can't imagine what the people around us are going through. They put on a good show, but we know there's pain. We just pray for the people that you're now bringing to our minds that as we cross their paths this week, you will help us to offer some sacramental gesture of your hospitality that will bring them but one step closer to your home. Amen. 
For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.